0: If you dare. This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. On VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: It's hour number two of the Greg Peterson experience on VZN, the sports betting network. We've got a great hour coming up for you. As we're going to be joined in fifteen minutes by Ian McMillan. He's got one of the best named podcasts ever. It's the Bacon Bets podcast. Couple with that, he does tremendous work over at Fansighted. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at some of the plays that he's got for the Super Bowl as of right now. How he's evaluating the matchup. And if there might be a few plays that he has yet to place yet that he is going to be taking a little bit more of a look into as things marinate here in the next few days slash week to lead up to the Super Bowl. Couple with that, he does a tremendous job on the NFL front. So we are going to be talking Little NHL with him in about 15 minutes is when he's going to be joining me. So we're in for some fun there. We're in for some fun coming up in about a minute or two when I get you guys my DK Network right up pick as well. We got there on Boise State outright. So feeling good about that. Now it's all about trying to be able to keep this thing going and just keep on, keep it on for lack of a better term. And there's one thing that always just keeps on going and it's always firing also on there because. When it comes to betting on college basketball, sometimes you have hot streaks. Sometimes you have cold streaks. You've got teams that come through for you. You've got teams that let you down. One team that never, ever lets me down. One team that is always in a hot streak. No matter what the circumstances, everyone behind the scenes here at and I am very lucky. I work with the best in the business. You've got my producer, Dan. He does an absolutely tremendous job. Just keeping me in line for one, which is never an easy task. And for two, he does a great job with all these guests. I know that he is currently brainstorming a little bit of something for what is going to be starting up with our beer reviews tomorrow. The beer review bracket, that is going to be a lot of fun. So you want to be sticking around there. Danny does absolutely impeccable work behind the scenes here, and it's always appreciated. And I know that he's one of our UFC aficionados as well. When it comes to everything that you're hearing, whether you're listening on SportsBank Radio, whether you're listening on Beason.com, you're able to go and take a look at the iHeartRadio app or all across America, it is Taylor, who does a tremendous job just making things sound all nice, crisp, and clean, and hey, you might be listening after the fact as well. For that, you're able to go to visa.com slash podcast and every single show here at the network that is available in podcast form. Whether you like this show, The Greg Peterson Experience, the show that preluded myself, Vston Tonight, Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, The Handle, Sharp Money, you're able to go down the list every single hour of every single show. It is all there, or just search for the Beast and Bets Bets feed wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, List goes on and on. And it is Jaren's who does a tremendous job posting up all those hours. And couple with that, if you're out there on Twitter slash X looking at all the video highlights, that is also Jaren's. So it's very much appreciated what. He does for us and it's always very much appreciated to look halfway presentable which is not an easy task with myself i think that alexis has the hardest job here at visa make me look halfway good with regards to a video slash moving picture format for those that are watching on youtube tv for those that are watching on visa.com alexis does a tremendous job as our technical director so if you're seeing all the graphics if you're seeing all the odds on the screen that is alexis doing a tremendous job there we appreciate everyone and all the hard work that they put in behind the scenes Best team in the business. Second best might be Boise State. So big shout out to them. Uh, let's see if we can find the third best one as we've got ourselves a very loaded college basketball slate that's going to be going down for Thursday, which means edges are to be had. And I take a look at this spot and some might think that's a little bit of a trap spot. Maybe I'm taking the maybe I'm the mouse taking the cheese here, but let's dive in on it. 833, 834 on the bang board. Oregon hits the road face off against USC. USC is a 2.0 underdog. Dutton's game is 148.5 to 149.5, and I just don't understand why this line is too. USC has been an abject disaster this year. Like, for USC, they actually started out relatively decent. Like, I think they started out four in one year thinking, all right, this is a USC team that maybe they're not living up to being, like, number two in terms of their ranking in the Pac-12 or anything like that, but you know what? This team isn't terrible. Ever since then, they have went... Four and 11 straight up. And for USC, the good news is they've got Boogie Ellis back in the fold. The bad news is their number two scorer, Isaiah Collier, is still out. And ever since Isaiah Collier has been out of the fold, this USC team has went straight down the toilet bowl with regards to their offense. For USC, in 14 out of their first 15 games this season, they were able to get to at least 70 points. They've had Isaiah Collier out of the fold for each of their last four games. If you date it back one game further, that's when they had Boogie Else out of the fold. These last five games, they have not gotten to 70 in any of them. This is a Oregon team that, while USC is dealing with ailments, they're finally starting to get a little bit healthy, and Dante who... Ramp him up in bubble wrap because this guy has been just banged up all throughout his career. But when he's out there, he's been relatively solid. He's able to give the team right around about eight boards. He's been able to supply the team with about 15 points per contest as well. And in all six games that he's played in for Oregon this season, the team has gone to at least 70 points couple with that probably going to be a little bit of a limited capacity but they're getting Nathan Biddle back in the fold as well he's someone that's saying seven feet tall he's able to pop it from three par inch that gives this team some really good versatility going up against a USC team that I wish I could use another word other than horrible but I think that that's a pretty proper way of describing it as we are looking at Oregon versus USC right here on the Greg Peterson experience of the Sports Bank Network and for USC typically this team does a really solid job down low their forte is always making sure that teams don't get open looks from two, being able to give you quite a few blocks. And Joshua Morgan still has been able to give you north of two blocks for a contest. But right now for USC, they are shooting at home 48.5% on their two-point shot attempts. That is 293rd in all of college basketball. Coupled with that, this team is giving it up from beyond the arc. USC, with regards to their three-point shooting percentage defense, 307th. They are overall 168th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. You just look at USC's chart with regards to defense. It's all red. It's all red. It's not good. I mean, it's USC red at this point. It's not good. So I take a look at this Oregon team, and I think that they should be able to go out there and they should be able to exploit this with the way that Jackson's shell set has been able to come to the forefront. His ability to be able to maneuver the offense, given the team right around 13 plus points per contest, shooting nearly 40% from three-par range. that's also allowed for... Their other main guard, Jermaine Cuisnard, who's been their top scorer with about 15 points per contest, to be able to roam a little bit more freely. And just to put it like it is, for USC, the guys that were highly touted coming into the year just haven't come to the forefront. Now, you just feel good that Bronny James is out there, back out there on the court and is able to contribute because he had a little bit of a scare with regards to the offseason. But I mean, Bronny James hasn't necessarily given you a whole heck of a lot of anything. DJ Rodman. It feels like he has become completely forgotten about. There was a lot of fanfare for him coming in from Washington State. He's not lived up to that Rodman name. He's been able to give you seven points, four and a half rebounds per game. That has been a little bit less than terrific. And right now, your top rebounder for USC is Vincent Iwuchukwu, who was a former five-star guy, and he's really not playing like it. Six points, four point seven rebounds per game. It just has been a whole lot of bad with regards to this USC team. They've had Kobe Johnson be able to throw in there about 1 half points per contest. He's been able to do an okay job for this team. But I mean that said, I just take a look at USC. It's a complete and utter disaster. I feel like I've used that a few times, but it's about the best way of being able to put it. This team is turning the ball over 13 half times for contest in terms of turnovers force on a or turnovers committed on a per possession basis. The team is in the bottom 75 in all of college basketball. And with the way that they've been playing without it, without Isaiah Collier on offense. I do think that Oregon goes on the road. They're the better coach team with Dana Ullman out there on the sidelines, and they get the job done. My DK Network right a pick. That is going to be on laying the points with Oregon. Felt like they should have been a seven-point favorite. We're getting two, so that makes it all the better. I did something my total at 151. I do think that with USC, they're going to be able to get back to 70 points with Boogie Ellis at 18-plus point per game score back out there on the floor. He's really the top three-point shooter for USC as well. But, isn't necessarily a great defender i do think that oregon gonna be able to light them up looking at the over am i right up that is going to be on oregon laying the number how about if we stay out there in the city of los angeles this is 835 836 on the bank board ucla is going to be playing this oregon state oregon state opens up as a nine point underdog now they're between 10 and 10 and a half point underdog So on this game are between one twenty-five and a half and a half at 126 i do agree with this line move i thought that nine was relatively solid value on ucla willing to lay up to 10 here and we're still seeing quite a few 10s they're out there on the board i'd be willing to lay this number it's a ucla team that has been awful with regards to their offense we're not going to try to sugarcoat it this team is well outside the top 250 in terms of points scored on a per possession basis but they did go to Curveballis a little bit earlier in the season they were able to put 69 very nice points up there on the board so that was good for them you've got sebastian mack who's been really your main contributor 13 points four boards and adam bona should still be able to win the battle down low other than Really, uh, Michael Rotage, along Tyler Bladou, who are both able to combine for about 11 rebounds per game. You just don't get much out of this Oregon State team, and you do want to take a look at their home and road splits. This is an Oregon State team that, overall, in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, they're 1 99th at all of college basketball, but they give up, and this is an actual number, 22.5 points more for 100 possessions in a road-slash-neutral court environment rather than at home. This team just completely forgets how to play basketball away from Corvallis. In Corvallis, we saw them knock off Arizona. We've seen them have some relatively good results, and then I still go back to a few year, few weeks ago when they went on the road to Utah, and they literally went 10 minutes of game time without scoring a point. That's just what you're going to get out of this Oregon State team, as Tyler Pope, he's been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to supply this team with about 18 points per contest. For Pope, he's shooting about 40% from 3 point range, so he's been able to do a relatively solid job, but other than Pope, I should say Jordan Pope, he's, been the really the only guy has been able to give you some consistent offense. Meanwhile, it's a UCLA team that it's still been bad, but it feels like ever since they got just completely trounced and boat race at home, that loss to Stanford, that was not terrific to say the least. Ever since they took those bad losses, they've honestly been able to play a little bit better. I think that Mick has gotten into his guys. He's been able to rally the troops a little bit. Not saying that this team is tremendous by any stretch of your imagination, but you've got very limited scoring options with Oregon State and Oregon State's offensive numbers are very much warped they have played more overtime sessions than any other power conference team in all of college basketball which if you're looking at raw points scored raw points allowed it really points into a little bit of a different picture than what we've actually seen I do think that UCLA can approach 70 much like we saw the first time around so semi-total and a 130 and a half gonna be taking a look at the over now with UCLA Want to lay up to 10 points with them and coming up next Let's get you guys set for the Super Bowl with one of our good friends, Ian McMillan of sided and the Bacon Bets podcast here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa Sports Betting Network.
0: At Bet Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic, every home run, every hit, every inning, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.
2: Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love.
0: Hoops Peterson himself on v the Sports Betting Network.
4: Put the v experts to work for you and start betting smarter with a decent Pro subscription. able will sign up for a V-CIN Pro annual subscription and get your first year at a discounted rate because you are a loyal listener to the Greg Peterson experience. They will sign up for one for just $199 when you utilize the promo code of Greg. That is G-R-E-G. Get access to everything that we're doing on our brand new VEASAN.com website, which includes our daily best bets with the leaderboard to see which VEASAN expert has a hot and betting plus to show you where the money and the bets are moving on every game, betting systems, premium analysis, 24-7 video access, plus our upcoming Super Bowl betting guide with best bets and favorite player props. Remember, utilize our promo code GREG. Save yourself some money on a VEASAN Pro annual subscription by a loyal listener by going on over to VSIN.com slash subscribe and utilizing that promo code of GREG. We're back here on the Greg Pierce at Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. Always great to be joined by this man, Ian McMillan. He does tremendous work over at Betsided and one of the best named podcasts out there, the Bacon Bets Podcast. And Ian, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Greg. It's always nice to talk with you. It's always great to have you aboard. And Ian, we have made it. We have made it to the big game. Right now we are finding the spread across the board at two, with the San Francisco 49ers being the favorite. And total on this game is 47 and half. First things first, before we dive in on the big game, just how do you approach the Super Bowl? Are you one that you like to place your bets right away and get in a lot early, or do you like to let it marinate? Do you like to just take a look at the matchup and then decide a little bit closer to game time while you're going to be betting?
3: Yeah, generally what I like to do is I like to get in a bet on this side in the total early in the first week. So I already have those bets placed. Uh, and I also like to place a lot of prop bets too. Uh, I haven't placed any prop bets yet. Usually I start to place those uh, end of the first week or into the start of next week. Um, but yeah, generally what I like to do is I like to see the opening line and I like to see where it's going to move. Uh, and I usually place my bet on on the spread in the total early in the first week so I already have those locked in I locked those in uh, Monday afternoon
4: absolutely and what side did you land on because with the 49ers they've been looking a little bit wobbly and certainly this is a Chiefs team that has been able to go on a burner run and I just I just keep on saying it the Chiefs I think has the inferior roster but it's just so hard to deny Patrick Mahomes as an underdog
3: yeah, yeah, you nailed it, Greg. I mean, that's what this game's all about. Do you want to bet on Patrick Mahomes or not? Because that's what it is. The Chiefs are the Holler team heading into this game. They have the better quarterback. Patrick Mahomes plays absolutely flawless football in the playoffs year in and year out. But when you look at season-long metrics, I mean, for the majority of the season, we've been calling the San Francisco 49ers the number one team in the NFL. If not number one, number two next to the Baltimore Ravens. So I went back and forth a little bit on this one. I did end up uh, going with the 49ers. I'm going to trust the metrics. I'm going to trust the season-long numbers. I did manage to get them at minus one. It's back up to minus two. I still think there's a bit of value there. I actually agreed with the opening line of two and a half. So if you can get anything less than two and a half, uh, even at the current number of two, I still think there's a bit of value there. Listen, the 49ers offense uh, was the best in the NFL. No matter what metric you want to look at, They're first in just about every single one. EPA per play, success rate, uh, uh, red zone offense, third and and third down offense. Just about everything you want to look at for the 49ers offense. They led the NFL. And not only that, they're a very effective run team. Uh, First in the NFL in rush EPA, second in rush success rate. And how do you beat the Chiefs? You run the football. Now, that's why I was on the Ravens this past weekend. I thought they were going to run the football, and then they didn't. I hope... That Kyle Shanahan is smart enough, and I think he is, to just run the football against this Kansas City Chiefs team. If they run the football, if they hand the ball to McCaffrey as much as possible, they can keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, they can move the ball down the field themselves, and I think the 49ers will win this game. But with that being said, if anyone just bets on the Chiefs because of Patrick Mahomes, I wouldn't blame them. I'm not going to argue against you. I may regret betting on the 49ers, but that's the side I landed on.
4: Yep, and I think that it is so interesting because when it comes to the Super Bowl, there's no like sharp or square side or anything like that. This is the sharpest line that you're going to find all season long, and there's going to be plenty of good people that are going to be on both the side of the Chiefs and on the side of the 49ers. As you're joining me on the show, we do have Ian McMillan. He does great work over at Betside and the Bacon Bets podcast right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network, and how much when you take a look at what side do you, you settle on do you sort of correlate your props with it? Because I know you were just pointing it out so much with regards to Christian McCaffrey and how big it is. Do you sort of correlate it where if you were on the side of the Chiefs, you're probably banking on Patrick Mahomes not throwing an interception or things like that. And if you take the 49ers, you're banking on a little bit more of an over with regards to like rush attempts. I'm not even going to go rush yards, but rush attempts with Christian McCaffrey.
3: Yeah, generally, uh, I mean, if if you believe in your take when you're betting on a side, then yeah, you you're gonna want to bet on props that kind of line up with that. Now you also got to look at the total too, because if if you know if you lean more towards the over, then you might want to lean more towards the over on prop bets. If you lean towards the under for the total, you may want to lean a little bit more um, on some unders. Or even, I mean, I'm backing the 49ers, but I'll tell you right now, one prop bet I'm almost certainly gonna bet on is actually kind of counterintuitive. I'm going to take the under on Brock Purdy's passing yards because I just think the path to victory for the 49ers is going to be so much of running the football. The Chiefs secondary is so good, top 3 in the NFL in just about every single uh uh pass defense metric you want to look at including opponent yards per game and opponent yards per pass attempt. So it's not that I even though I'm kind of in in one sense betting against Brock Purdy it's not necessarily that I don't think the 49ers are going to win because I do think they're going to win. I'm, I'm betting on them, but I just don't think they're going to do it by throwing the ball early and often with Brock Purdy. I think it's going to come on the ground. So, yeah, sit back, figure out how you think this game is going to go, not only who's going to win, but how they're going to win. And then generally you want to make prop bets that line up with that uh, line of thinking.
4: Yep, absolutely, and you sort of want to have in your mind just how you think the game is going to play out, and sometimes that will lead to overs on the other side as well because I know that there's a lot of good people out there that they are taking the Chiefs, but at the same time, they're taking the over on Christian McCaffrey, rush attempts and rush yards because if it's a one-score game, you're not going to abandon the run if it's like a 21-0 blowout One side or the other, certainly the run game for whoever's down is going to be getting abandoned a little bit more. But I do think that that's important to do as well. And I know you were pointing it out quite a bit with regards to the 49ers and the importance of running the ball. Does that put you a little bit more on the under in this game? Or do you think that the over might have a little bit of life?
3: Yeah, to be honest, in terms of a side and total, even though I am I am betting on both, and I'm probably a little bit more, uh, I am actually a little bit more comfortable betting on the total. I, I do like the under um, in this game. I think that's kind of the way to go if you're going to bet the, uh, on the total. Listen, these two defenses were the two of the top scoring defenses in the NFL this season. Chiefs allowed 16.8 points per game. 49ers allowed 18.4 points per game. That's a, a combined points allowed per game of 35.2. That's well below the set total. Um, And also, yes, it does line up. If the 49ers run the football, drain the clock, keep Mahomes off the field, that kind of leans more towards a low-scoring game. And let's not forget this Chiefs team, even though they're back in the Super Bowl, this is not the same kind of Chiefs team we've seen in years past. They are a defensive, control-the-ball, mistake-free football kind of team, and that reflects in uh, their over-under record this year. In 20 games, if you include the playoff games, the under-hit uh uh, at a 70% rate fifth or 14 and six the underwent in Chiefs games this season including the playoffs so um even though you might you know your first instinct when you see Patrick Mahomes throwing the football is oh they're going to score a ton of points hasn't been the case this year they've controlled the football um and played really good defense and that's generally going to lean uh towards an under so uh I think it's at 47 now uh I, I I would certainly lean towards the under there
4: And I'm so glad that you pointed that out as well because so many people are going to look at this game and say, hey, these teams just played in 2020. I bet that they're the exact same teams. And I think that that would be very defeatist to do. How do you just take a look at the differences from this year's Super Bowl as opposed to when these two teams played a few seasons ago? Because I do think that the biggest difference is Brock Purdy, well, I don't think that it's right to put him in like the Hall of Fame or anything like that. I do think that he's a step up and an upgrade from what Jimmy Garoppolo was in the spot a few years ago. Yeah, I think Brock
3: Purdy is an upgrade. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey uh, yes. is an upgrade. Um, and their defense, to be honest, the 49ers defense actually was better. that that. I think this year's 49ers offense is better. I think their defense isn't as good as it was that year uh, that they went to the Super Bowl. So there are some familiar names, uh, but I certainly wouldn't bet on the uh, Chiefs just because they beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl a handful of years ago. Different quarterback for the 49ers, certainly different running back. Uh, and the offensive weapons the Chiefs have are completely different too. Travis Kelsey, obviously, still there. Pretty much every other position is different outside of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs. So, uh, yeah, even though it's the same teams and it was just a few years ago, very different teams on 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 both sides, really.
4: Absolutely. We've got about 45 seconds left. Is there any props that maybe you have yet to fire in on that you're keeping your eye on as of right now?
3: Yeah, I think one is um, actually as Isaiah Pacheco to go over his uh, rushing attempts. Um, he's actually they've actually been riding him quite a bit. I think he has 24 carries in two of their three playoff games. He's their number one back by a long shot now. He's playing over 70% of snaps uh, on a weekly basis. Even though I think the 49, 49ers are going to run the ball, I actually think that is a bit of a smart strategy for the Chiefs, too. So I like Pacheco over his rushing attempts.
4: Yep, and that would very much align with the under as well as E. McMillan. He does great work over at Betside, along with the Bacon Bets podcast. And coming up next, we are starting to hit that midpoint of the NHL season. The All Star break is coming, so yeah, got to check in with Ian and overall we'll getting on the hockey landscape next. Right here on the Greg Peterson Experience, I'm Beaston, the Esports Bank Network.
0: Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: With Omaha Steaks, you'll fall in love at first bite with their tender steaks, juicy burgers, air chilled chicken, and so much more. You're gonna love every bite. It's an Omaha Steaks guarantee. And for a limited time, when you go to omahasteaks.com/vsin, you get four free air chilled boneless chicken breasts and four free rich, juicy. Boneless pork chops with your order. A minimum purchase may apply as over at slash vsin. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bang Network. Always great to be joined by this man, Ian McMillan. He does great work over at Betsided. Couple with that, the Bacon Bets podcast. And Ian, we have now hit the all star break with regards to the NHL. So I guess you'd call it the unofficial midway point of the season. And with regards to the NHL, just what have you made out of the landscape of it first before we dive into a few specific teams? Because one thing that has just been really standing out to me from a glance is that we are seeing more totals of seven rather than ever before. And it does feel like goal scoring in general just has really gone up, especially the last few weeks. Yeah, goal scoring
3: has gone up. This has been uh You know, for the past, uh, you know, 12 years of embedding on hockey, this has been the season that I find to be the most, I guess, strange might be the word, the most difficult to kind of get a feel for some teams. There have been some teams who at times look like the best team in the NHL and then for a three-week span look like one of the worst teams in the NHL. It's not lining up in terms of when you look at underlying metrics. There's teams who you look at the metrics and you're like, this team should be in the bottom of the standings but right now they're in a playoff spot and vice versa. So I have found this the most difficult season to handicap and to really get a grasp on teams. And yeah, a big part of that is not only uh, a lot of offense uh, in terms of teams playing well offensively, it's a lot of teams playing poorly in their own end and a lot of bad goaltending as well. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been hard to get a grasp on some of these teams. I'm I'm interested to see... If the second half of the season, we're going to kind of see water find its level a little bit.
4: Yeah, and it has been interesting to take a look at the underdogs as well. I'm not quite sure what they hit at last season, but underdogs straight up on the money line this year, hitting at just 39.3%. So that has been relatively brutal to say the least. So as we know, the San Jose Sharks and the Chicago Blackhawks bring that number down like a big, giant, rusty anchor. So that has been hurting the teams yeah. out there. But who have been some of the biggest surprises, whether that be to the positive? or the negative for you thus far this season? Because you just mentioned it, it has been a little bit of a strange year, to say the least, and there are a lot of teams in contention that we weren't necessarily expecting them to do too much this year.
3: Yeah, there's one team lately, because for up until about uh, December, really the end of December, I was telling people that this team was the best team in the NHL grade. I think I was on this program saying that I thought the Los Angeles Kings were the best team in the NHL. They have gone beyond cold. Um, and it's not just a cold streak where you see oh just some bad bounces, some unlucky losses. No, they're just well, they've just started playing bad hockey. Um, they can't put the puck in the net. Their shooting percentage has fallen off a cliff. Their goaltending hasn't played well. Uh, their defensive play in their own end is, has gotten significantly worse. They went from the best defensive team to a middle of the pack defensive team. So in terms of something I've seen just in the in the past month. Uh, the LA Kings uh, have been a huge disappointment. Then there are some teams uh, on the eastern side. In terms of the standings, like the Detroit Red Wings, I think are, are overperforming. Um, I believe, yeah, they lo- they lost tonight, but I mean, this is a team that I look at their metrics and they're a bottom five team, but yet right now uh, they have 58 points, the same amount of points as the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, uh, in terms of the standings, the Red Wings have been a pleasant surprise. Uh, the Kings over the past month. Uh, Have been tough to watch.
4: Yeah, with the LA Kings, I remember they got off to that really good start to the season. It looked like they were the best team out west. And ever since then, they've just taken a little bit of a nosedive. As Ian McMillan, who does great work over at Betside and the Bacon Bets podcast, joining me right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. And just what do you make out of the West Coast landscape in general in terms of the NHL? Because you just alluded to it with the Kings. They've been a little bit hot and cold. The Golden Knights have been able to pick it up a little bit, but they had that rough stretch towards like the middle of December into early January. So it's been hot and cold with them. And the Seattle Kraken have been one of the toughest teams to be able to evaluate in the NHL as well.
3: Yeah, I think one of the I think the two biggest stories is in the Pacific Division right now. I think the Vancouver Canucks um, leading the NHL right now with 71 points is a team that was supposed to be a borderline playoff team. And now they're leading the entire NHL. Now, I think the Canucks are going to regress a little bit. If I were to pick one team in the West, it's going to regress in the second half of the season. I think it's the Canucks. I think their shooting percentage is unsustainable. Their, their, their shooting percentage is almost 2% higher than any other team. Um, but they're still going to be a good playoff team. It is unbelievable to me, Greg, that the Edmonton Oilers have won 16 games in a row. And they still are only third in that conference. Now, they played actually quite a few fewer games than the Canucks and Golden Knights, five fewer than the Golden Knights, uh, four fewer than the Canucks. So that certainly plays a role in it. But uh, you would think that a team that had won 16 straight games would be atop their division. No, not first, not second uh, and third. So uh, the Oilers, I think they are a team that the, the advanced metrics support how hot they've been. Now, obviously, winning 16 games in a row is a completely different story. But uh, I think if I were to pick a team right uh, right now to win the Stanley Cup, the team that I think is the best team in the NHL, playing the best hockey, uh, it is the Edmonton Oilers. They got off to a bit, bit of a slow start to the season. But as you know, it's not how you start. It's how you finish things. And this Oilers team uh, has been playing better hockey than any other team in the NHL.
4: And they made a very early move to can their coach early on during the season. And Mm. that seemed to have really ignited this team as well. So I think that that's a really good call. And with regards to just this all-star weekend in general, as we know with most sports, you are able to get some offerings out there. There's like updated season win totals. There's updated like awards, what have you. Do you look at any of these when it comes to the NHL all-star break? Or is it a case where it's sort of, go with the positions that you have. If something stands out, you bet it, but you just don't force up action when it comes to a little bit of a break like this.
3: Yeah, you never really want to force action. You never really want to look at, you know, just because we have a little bit of a break um, that you want to fire off some bets. Now, maybe now is a good time though as well because with the all-star break, um, teams who are either trending in the wrong direction or trending in the right direction, sometimes you get that reset because you have a week off, Um, You know, if you had momentum, it's usually not going to carry past, you know, an entire week off. So maybe not necessarily in the futures market or um, at the awards market. Maybe what you want to do is pick out a few teams either that you think are are playing better than their record and you expect them to get hot after the All-Star break because maybe they're cold for a little bit and maybe they have a chance to reset and then consider betting them their first few games back after the All-Star break and then vice versa. Take a look at a team that you think is maybe overperforming. Now maybe they're going to lose some of that momentum they had over the past month or two, and maybe you may want to look to fading them, betting against them uh, in the first games uh, back from the All-Star break. I think the Canucks might be a team you might want to bet against in the second half of the season. I think the Red Wings might be a team you you want to uh, bet against in the second half of the season. Um, so that's generally how I treat the All-Star break, as a little bit of a... Uh, a break uh, in momentum for these teams one way or the other.
4: And I think that it is interesting that you bring that up because one team that has all of a sudden been able to get very hot, it's a team that we have found in the Stanley Cup quite a few times the last few years, that the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've won three mm. straight games going into the break, eight and two in their last 10 games. And there's a squad that they had a little bit of a rough go of it towards being part of the season. And out of all the teams in the NHL, they've got some of the biggest home and road splits that you're going to find as well. But how do you evaluate a team like that that has a ton of experience, but it is a little bit of an aging team that has been able to get hot going into the break?
3: Yeah, if they can stay hot, especially if they can, you know, get hot again in the last month heading into the playoffs, any team with this level of of experience um, is going to have a chance. Um, Now, a big reason for the Lightning' success the past few weeks is their power play. Their power play has become by far the best power play unit in the NHL. Now, that can be huge in the playoffs, but also don't forget, we generally see fewer penalties called in the playoffs. So any team that thrives because of a really good power play, it can help them in some games, but generally over the long term, it's not a team I'd want to back in the playoffs just because we actually see on a yearly basis fewer penalties called once it gets to the postseason. Fewer penalties called obviously means fewer power play opportunities. Um, so that is one thing to keep an eye uh, on with uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, maybe if you want to live bet the uh, on the NHL and you see the Tampa Bay Lightning just got a power play, might be a great time to do it because their power play, hitting at a 29.94% rate, uh, that's 2% better than any other team in the NHL uh, right now. So the Lightning power play, red hot, and it's getting them some wins uh, in games that they don't necessarily deserve to win during five-on-five plays. So... That's the main thing i've been watching about the lightning the fun uh power play unit
4: yeah it has been interesting to look at that and as we know <clears throat> excuse me as we know they still have andre bezeleski in goal as well it's been a little bit of a hot and cold year for him but you know when you've got that man in goal you're always able to feel pretty good about that and we always feel amazing when you're on the show Ian. you do such great work taking a look at the nfl I know you're going to be getting into college basketball mode a little bit more as well with the NFL wrapping up, and your time is always appreciated, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Greg. March Madness going to be here before you know it. Yes, sir. Zot, zot for the UC Irvine Anteaters, and you know what? That's a great segue. Coming up next, let's take a look at some Big West action for this college basketball Thursday right here on The Great Peterson Experience on Visa, the Esports Night Network.
0: Hoops Peterson himself on V the Sports betting Network.
4: Are you looking for a super offer for a Super Bowl 58? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook has a guy you cover. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Utilize the pro- code of VSN when you do. That is V S I N. New customers can place a bet of $5. Get $200 instantly in bonus bets. That's only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with that Coda Visa because over at V over at DraftKings Sportsbook the crown is yours. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa the sports betting network. It was great to be able to talk a little hockey and talk some Super Bowl with our good friend Ian McMillan over at BetSided and the Bacon Bets podcast. And surely we'll talk a little bit more Super Bowl in our number three. That's when Rob Donaldson will be aboard. That'll be in about 50 or I should say about 30 minutes, but. The one thing that's unfortunate about the Super Bowl, it will not be played on a Thursday. We still have to wait about a week and a half for the big game. And in the meantime, we do want to be maximizing our profits, being able to make a little bit of money in the meantime. So that way, we can have an even more Super Sunday. And how about if we dive in on a little bit of Big West action? Our good friend Ian, who was on in the last segment, he is a stan of the UC Irvine Anteaters. And they are in action. And I do like the Anteaters in this spot. It is 825-826. On the betting board, UC Irvine finds themselves as a 13.5-point road favorite against Cal Poly. The last game is saying between 131.5 and 132.5, and the fact that I'm willing to lay 13.5 points with UC Irvine should speak to the level of stink right now that you've got with this Cal Poly program. It's been rough, to say the least, for them, but when it comes to UC Irvine, this team has been absolutely dominant with their defense away from home. As a matter of fact, you take a look at points allowed on a per possession basis in all of college basketball. UC Irvine is giving up 91 points per one-arm possessions in their games played away from home. No other team is giving up fewer than 93 points per one-arm possessions away from home. They're two full points cleared per one arm possessions of the next best defense in a road slash neutral court environment in all of college basketball. This Irvine team just sucks the life out of you. They do such a good job of being able to hit the glass. And for Cal Poly, you have nobody other than Joel Armitraden, who's giving you north of 4.5 rebounds per game. This Cal Poly team is going to be called a hickory on the glass because they're going to get smoked. We've got a UC Irvine team. Meanwhile, that they've just got so many guys that they do a nice job of being able to hit the glass. You've got guys like Bent Lutken, Andre Henry, Devin Tills, combining for about 16 rebounds per game. They do a nice job by committee. They'll be able to hit the glass. This is a UC Irvine team then. Along with their tremendous defense, they're very efficient on the offensive side of things as well. And the biggest reason why is that they brought in P.R. Cockrell as their point guard. He gives you about six assists at two and a half turnovers per game. It's an Irvine team that has been able to do a pretty solid job of being able to sink their three. Certainly, they're not quite as dominant on offense as they are on the defensive side of things. But this is still a team that, with regards to their points scored on a per-possession basis, they're still a top 185 team. Meanwhile, this is a Cal Poly team that... They're outside the top 275 in terms of points scored per possession. Now, it's Kobe Sanders who's really been able to lead the team. He's been able to give you 14 points per contest, and he's honestly been one of the best scorers for this Cal Poly team in quite a few years. But even with his efforts, this team in Cal Poly, 347th in all of college basketball regards points scored on a per possession basis. It's a Cal Poly team that they do turn the ball over about 13 times per contest, despite the fact that, very super slow, super controlled team. Now, one thing that Cal Poly is doing well at home, they're locking teams up from three-point range. Teams are shooting only about 30% from three-point range at home against them, but this is an Irvine team that they do a solid job being able to hit the glass. This is a Cal Poly team that they just don't have a lot with regards to their ability to be able to hit the glass, their ability to be able to get rebounds. I think that this should be a spot where Irvine is able to really take it out of a Cal Poly team that is one of the slowest in all of college basketball. As getting a little bit choked up here, but that said, when it comes to this Cal Poly team, I do think that they're going to be in for a little bit of a rough go of it. It is a circumstance where I did set UC Irvine as a favorite of 14 points. So you're at the 13 and F, <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to be willing to lay the number. With this UC Irvine team. It's so hard to be able to get it out. Just by excitement of UC Irvine. That we did get a little bit choked up. But willing to lay the number with them. And with regards to this total. I did set my total at a 130 as well. So circumstance where. I'm going to be willing to take a look at the total under, And I'm going to be willing to lay it with UC Irvine. Right here on the Greg Peterson Experience. On Visa, the Sports Bank Network. And when it comes to. More of the extra games because we've been hitting a lot of these mainstream games. We're hitting on more of the normal Las Vegas betting board, but we do have some good value when it comes to these extra games. And I do think that this is going to be one of the more interesting games of the night, where I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the home underdog. This is 306547, 306548. Queens, N.C. They are going to be playing us, Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky is a road favorite of between five and a half and six points. And your total on this game, it is 160 to 160 and a half. It's a circumstance where you've got a Queens NC team that certainly has been getting cooked on defense outside the top three with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis, but they go up against an Eastern Kentucky team that they just cannot guard the arc to save their lives. Eastern Kentucky out of 362 division one teams. Guess where they're coming in in opponent's three-point shooting percentage. You guessed it, 362nd, and this is a Queens team that they are looking to go bombs away from 3 point range. This is a Queens team that they attempt about 42% of their shots from 3 point range. That is a top 75 three-point rate in all of college basketball. Now, you've got a Queens team that they're okay at being able to hit their threes. They're not amazing. They're not terrible. They're shooting about 33.5% from three-part range as a collective, but I do like the big three of this team as you've been able to have A.J. McKee, B.J. McLaurin, Dayton Albury, who have been able to combine for In that neighborhood of about 35.5 points per contest. All three of these guys give you at least four rebounds per contest. And main man from three-point range has actually been Chris Ashby. He's their number four scorer. that gives you about 10 points. He's been able to shoot in the neighborhood about 39.5% from three-point range. And this is for a Queens team that they do see a pretty dramatic rise with regards to their three-point shooting percentage when they're at home. They shoot north of 36% from three-point range at home. In a roadside shoot court environment, this does decline to about 30%. Queens is going to want to be taking a lot of shots from the outside because they do have a big task at hand against Eastern Carolina or Eastern Kentucky. And with that big task, that is the nation's leader in blocks in Isaiah Cozart. Cozart has been able to give you about four blocks per contest, been able to supply the team with about nine and a half or so rebounds per game. He's able to give you a double figure amount of points, but this is also an Eastern Kentucky team that typically they do a relatively solid job of being able to generate turnovers and they just haven't been that same team this year. They're still generating about seven and a half steals per contest, but still a squad that is seeing a big, giant drop-off with the way that they really crank up that defensive effort and the way that they really look to be able to generate those turnovers. And much of that has been because Cozart has been such a good eraser on the glass. Self, Lillen, Walker, along with Devontae Blind, they've been able to combine for about 29 points per contest. Both of these guys shooting the low 30s from three par inches. It's really been Michael Moreno who's been able to help this team out from the outside being able to shoot about 42 percent from three points seen a little bit of a dip in his scoring from past seasons but this is a eastern kentucky team that they play a little bit of a fast harebrained style and really both of these teams do that as you've got an atlantic sun conference that in general is just absolutely locked and loaded with these teams you either have these teams like stetson that play super duper slow or you've got queens who plays at warp speed eastern kentucky they're about 67th in all of college basketball regards the to total possessions per game queens Flocking in 10th, I do think that you get yourself high-scoring expose. I do think the Queens is able to take care, or is able to take advantage, I should say, of the lack of three-point shooting defense that's going to be provided in this game. So I do think that you got yourself some relatively good value on the silver. I did set my total at 162, so I'm going to be willing to take a look at the points with Queens, set them as a four-point underdog. So looking at the six, and with regards to the total, we've got mine set at a 162. So you're at the 160, 160 and a half. Looking over, and I'm going to be willing to take a look at the points. Now, when it comes to this game, you've got a battle of the tortoise and the hare. And I do like the underdog, but I do think that this game gets slowed down a little bit. 3 of 6, 5, 35. 3 of 6, 5, 36. Albany hits the road face-off against Vermont. Vermont is a favorite of half points. Throw-on is pretty much 149.5 across the board with Vermont. I can only make them more around a nine and a half point favorite, so this is a circumstance where I'm going to be willing to take a look at the points with Albany. Albany is a top 50 team in the country with regards to total possessions per game. Vermont, bottom 50 team in the country with regards to total possessions per game, but the problem that you have with this Vermont team is that they don't really force a lot of turnovers, so even though I do think that they're going to get their slower, grimier style, it's not going to result in this Albany team being too rattled, in my opinion have got an Albany bunch that has a guy in Sebastian Thomas. He was a part-time starter over at Rhode Island last year. He's doing a nice job being able to run the point guard spot. He's been able to do a solid job being able to give the team right in the neighborhood about four, 16-plus uh, points per contest. And then you've been able to have Amari Marshall come in, give the team 16 points. He's your good three-point shooter for an Albany team that, as a whole, they shoot shooting the mid-30s from three-point range. Now, the one thing that Vermont does, even though they don't generate a lot of turnovers, they don't turn it over themselves. Nine turnovers per game in terms of turnovers on a per possession basis. They're a top 25 team in all of college basketball. And with this Vermont team, you do have size, but not necessarily a team that knows how to necessarily utilize it. As you've got someone in Matt Verado who's been able to give you about 12 points per contest. Stands foot 6'80, and he does nothing but shoot threes. He only gives you about three rebounds per game. All but he should be able to do a relatively solid job down low in this spot, though. Vermont, they do a good job of cutting you off to just one opportunity. So, going to be willing to take the points. Set my line at 9.5. And, and going to be taking a look at this total under. And coming up next, we enter the College Basketball Lab. Right here on the Great Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network.